Welcome to Food Safety University and this week's episode of the podcast. This week we have the second of these two podcasts with Erin Pirro on money mindset. So, so as always, grab yourself a notebook and a pen, unless of course you are driving, then don't do that, and get ready to have some really, really good conversation. See you on the inside. Welcome to Food Safety University. I'm Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele, and this is the one podcast where you can get everything you need to know about food safety and how to run a food manufacturing plant for all of those small and local food manufacturers. If you are into local and sustainable food and agriculture, this is the podcast for you. Every week we cover new and original ideas around how to get the most out of your HACCP planning and how to get your plant up and running and continue running in a way that fulfills your dreams. So grab a pen and paper because every week you're going to need it. See you on the inside. Hi there and welcome to the podcast this week, everybody. I am super excited that you are here. It is another fun day at Podcasting Central here at Food Safety University. And as promised, we have Erin Pirro back for the second part of her Money Mindset series that we're doing together because it was super fun and we have a lot to cover. And so Erin, why don't you just start us off with, um, just tell us um, something fun and interesting about you um, that you want everybody to know. Um, I don't mind getting my hands dirty and I can actually go from sheep shearing all the way to a shawl and all the parts <laughs> in between. <laughs> oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> so what Erin is not telling you is, is that she's like a super awesome knitter and runs like a whole knitting empire. <laughs> Because because this is what we do in our spare time in Connecticut. We li- we did. <laughs> well, there's also the part of if you're going to raise livestock, it's very important. This has been part of my family's tradition for as long as I can remember of sustainability, which means using the entire animal. And in sheep, not only are you going to have lamb as the meat byproduct, you'll have um, sheepskins as part of it, but then also the wool. And we've developed a niche market for that. Uh, in the family over the years and I'm really proud of that part of it and it's a lot of fun because it's a creative outlet as well as getting to spend time on numbers and other fun things like that right knitting is so soothing like we we I don't know there's no reason my podcast would know this but my family every night sits down and Andrew my husband reads to us and then then me and two or three of my children sit around and knit fantastic (laughs) so yeah no I've been knitting since I was like went to the beach uh when I was like nine and I like sat there next to my aunt and my mother and we were all like knitting away and that's where I learned how to knit Mm. so yeah it's it's like it's my one of my favorite things okay so um which is all amazing. And, and, and we love, we love knitting and we love, and the reason like, you know, we talk about knitting, we talk about use, u- utilizing the whole animal is because honestly, like utilizing the whole animal is actually a money mindset. Right. And we find that sort of thing to be really easy to talk about. You know? Utilizing the whole animal, not a hard conversation in local agriculture. We dig that conversation. We love that conversation. That conversation makes us feel really good and useful. However, 
<laughs> there are money conversations that don't quite feel that way. <laughs> so Aaron, tell us, what do you think is the hardest part about talking about money? I think for a lot of people, it's just, okay, where do I even start? Because it's such a vast topic. And I feel like I should know all of these things about it because I run a business, but let's face it. No one starts a business because they want to run a business. They start a business because they're good at what they do and they want to be their own boss. And then there's a whole lot of other crap, pardon my French, that comes along with it. This is very true. <laughs> right? So how many hats you wear. Oh, sorry, say that again. What, what trips people up? Mm. Well, I think we are very much doers, right? Roll up our sleeves and get it done. So we dive in and you don't know what you don't know. So you start doing something and then it turns out to have other implications that maybe you didn't intend. And one of those things is as simple as sharing a checkbook with somebody, but not communicating effectively, right? That's how checks get overdrawn. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Because of a simple thing like that. So it takes good communication, right? It also takes a plan and it also takes similar goals and values because think about the stress that comes into a relationship of any kind when you have a saver and a spender. Mm -hmm. And if you are not aligned on those things, it's very tough to take a business in a particular direction. And it may be that both parties or multiple parties are invested in spending money on a piece of equipment, but some value new and some want used, right? Think of how tricky those discussions are. And when we're not aligned on those, right? We know there's gonna be friction and then we just don't want anything to do with it because at the heart, most of us are conflict avoiders. Sure, sure. And I bet you debt comes into that a lot. And how do we, how do we look at debt? And what is, our, what is our internal conversation about debt? And then what's the, like, the group conversation about debt? Mm. Absolutely. And it's going to be impacted by whatever we've absorbed over the years. So I have a good friend whose family had a very bad experience with debt. And some of the terms from the lender as a private lender, right, didn't come out to be as advertised. And that made things very stressful. And I don't want anything to do with that anymore because that's my experience. It's been bad. No more. And then I know other people that look for the most cost-effective way to do business, and they've decided that spending someone else's money to leave theirs invested somewhere else so that they're making money on two fronts. Two very different ways that debt is handled and treated and really make very different outcomes for the business. Right, right. Because the debt itself is neutral, right? The amount it of is. It, it just it just is. And there are, I think, a lot of ways, you know, I come up, I come up with people who get on the phone with me and they're lovely people, but they're like, I'm not going into debt. Mm, I'm not going into my, in, into debt for this, you know, and Food Safety University costs $15,000. It's a one-time payment. You know, I do take, I, you know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take payments on it, you know, three, $5,000 payments or whatever. Right. But people like flip out, you know when they're like, wait, you're asking me to take on debt for my business. Well, you can write a check, I'm sure, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, well, hang on. You are like, I have debt in my business, but I also have, I also have assets and it's a determination of where am I making choices about my money? Absolutely. I think it's also a tool. And think about it this way. If your goal is to have $50,000 to buy X, say it's a vehicle, 
and you save that money, you are making payments to a savings account for as long as it takes to accumulate that $50,000. Conversely, if you were to buy that piece of equipment at $50,000 and then make the payments after, yes, it'll cost a little bit of interest, but you have that piece of equipment to use that much sooner and reap the rewards from. Think of the time that it takes to accumulate $50,000 before you can make that investment versus the money that you could be making. And yes, you'll be bringing in more, you'll be paying more because you'll be paying interest, but the root principle of that $50,000 investment is gonna be the same across the board. And then we have to think about, oh, if I wait until I have enough money to buy that piece of equipment, it's probably gonna cost more than I originally thought because darn it all, things just keep going up in price. Right, right. And one of the things that I also find that people don't talk about is the opportunity cost, right? So when we're taking out debt, we're like, oh my God, I'm borrowing all of this money, right? You mean I would have to borrow money to be part of Food Safety University? Well, yeah, you could think about it like that. You could also think about it as an investment that require that that you will require a rate of return on. You know, and as somebody who invests very heavily in, in her business, um, I have, I tallied it up this year. Um, and in the past three years, I've made $1.2 million in my business and I have invested $110,000 in coaching. I so what's that ROI? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I 10 x my investment. You know what I mean? And I go into any investment, uh, whether it's time or whether it's money saying I'm going to 10 X my investment. Right. And so if you think about that $50,000 piece of equipment that you're talking about, right. When you're, when you're paying for debt, you're just, you're just paying for another thing. And it's, it's just another vehicle, you know, in your, in your business. Um, and you're paying to use that vehicle. Right. Uh, and then you can then use that to make all of all of your money. And what if that $50,000 is what if you believed you were going to 10x that $50,000? So, and I think we're used to doing these calculations as in think about yield on a carcass, mm -hmm. right? The challenge is those, the sum that you get out is less than the hole that you put in, in that case, right? So it's diminishing from there. But when you're making a good investment, the idea is to get more out than you put in. And as I start to have financial conversations with my clients, right, we start to look at things like, wow, how much are you putting in? Not just time and labor dollars, but the inputs to that particular product for what you get out. And we want to make sure that you're getting not only your costs covered, all of the costs, but then some return to the business as well, because you still have to keep the lights on or you still have to pay the property taxes. And darn it, you need to get paid. Right. And that is almost, in my perception, the hardest, one of the hardest money conversations that you can have, which is how much is my time worth? How valuable is this thing that I am putting out there? Right. And it goes, and you can take it all the way back to knitting because, you know, have somebody who has knit a lot of sweaters, it's way cheaper to go buy one. Way yes, cheaper. please go. <laughs> right? You know, knitting a sweater, I mean, 
dude, at least I'm not carding the wool. Like all of my friends started spinning when I went into vet school. I'm like, I can't keep up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll go take care of the sheep. <laughs> right. But you think about the, the volume of time and labor and the love that went into the land and the feeding and all of that sort of stuff that gets you to, you know, six skeins of wool or whatever to, to knit a sweater and you're $120 in. And the sweater is in strings. <laughs> and I've made about $2 an hour, right? At that point. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's what drives innovation so that you can scale that. Because I can only ever shear as many sheep as I can shear. I can only ever wash as many fleeces as I can wash in that particular time. So that's where we come up with tools or equipment or machinery to help us be able to do that. We expand our workforces to be able to help us do more. And all of those things come at a cost. So a really fun math problem for me is what are the assumptions under which I would get a piece of machinery that would then help me spin yarn that I don't have to do myself, right? How much more can I make? How much time is it going to take? What can I sell that for? What does it cost me to do that? And then how long does it take to break even? And how much more valuable am I creating, like a more valuable product am I creating because I'm getting better and better and better at production, higher quality, better controls, like all of those sorts of things, all because, you know, we make the decision to invest in the business. Um, And I don't know any business that only has one request. Right. right. If I meet with three business owners, there's five or six requests around the table, and I'm probably understating it at that. So when we can put numbers on those particular op- opportunities, now we can figure out which one is the one we should do first because it's going to return the most to the business. And doing them in the right order, oh, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. And so when we when we think about that, what are do you have any maybe exercises or ways that you talk to people about maybe thinking about money or debt or whatever a little differently? I think one of the questions that I love is let's just put a number on it, right? So if we're talking about our own labor, what would I have to pay someone to do the work that I do in my business? Right. So think about it for people to answer. Mm. It sure is. Because how many jobs are you actually doing is the first question. And does that set of varied skills exist in another person? It may be two people and they may not each need to be full time in the business, but they may be such a diverse set of skills that you don't find them everywhere. So if there are any other sheep shearing, knitting, number loving business consultants, like let's get a table somewhere because there probably aren't going to be a ton of us. However, I bet we can find somebody with half of those skills and passions and the other half and make that two roles and figure out, okay, what would I need to do to hire these awesome teammates and still get the job done? Right. Right. And, and I think that if we look at, I often discuss this about wearing hats, right? Uh, Exactly. You know, and so there are days where I have my CEO hat on. I don't really have my CEO hat on right now. I have my like podcast host hat on, my marketing and sales hat, right? Because that's what the podcast is designed to do. It's designed to, you know, build trust and credibility out there in the marketplace, right? 
But there are times when I have my CFO hat on, I have my chief operating officer hat on, like we all wear all of these different hats. Um, and I find a really interesting exercise to be, what would happen if you had to write a job description? Like what results are you looking for from them? Because we don't, you like when you're thinking about paying yourself, and I think this is one of the things that comes up with a lot of entrepreneurs, is we hold ourselves to such a high bar, right? Like it's never done. Do you, I've never met a farmer who thinks it's all done. Never. Nope. There's always a fence to be mended. There's always a truck to repair. There's always something to plant or an animal to move or like whatever, right? The work, it is never done. Um, and so if out in the workplace we get paid for results if you're continually thinking I haven't produced enough results yet how the hell are you going to pay yourself or worse now it's by the hour right it's just taking longer and longer and longer right uh, ah so where do I even start so I think your job description approach is a fantastic one and I think it's also what are the daily tasks, right? Because it's feeding the sheep every morning, producing results. Sometimes it's really hard to tie that to an outcome. But if I don't feed the sheep, well, now I'm in a lot of trouble for a lot of reasons. And it's got to be done, right? There are a lot of those jobs on a farm, in an agribusiness, in a um, food business that just have to happen, right? Do you get paid any more for cleaning? not only, only <laughs> you get you get paid for cleaning right and you get to maintain being paid for cleaning if it ends up clean um, absolutely and there's no exact dollars that you put on that which makes it very hard to value that however there are tools in the marketplace as in what do you have to pay someone to do that what are they paid in other places what's it worth to you like what would happen if it didn't get cleaned right like, different ways to think about it to put a value on that. So I think that's one really important one. And then the other one is, what would it mean for your business if you could start to have these conversations? Like you could put a number on what you're worth to the business, right? Not as a human being, you are worth a whole lot more outside your business, but for the labor that you do and the results that you produce, what is that worth to the business? What would it take to accomplish your goal of, adding a product line or expanding the business. And then once you have that conversation, what would it mean to be able to map out the steps that it would take to get there? What would that do in your team, in your household, in your meeting with investors? What different conversations would happen? What different results would you get if you were able to do that? Right, and I think that brings up, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about um, in, you know, if you see like my marketing and, and that sort of thing is the, the assets in a business, right? And so we talk about six assets in a business and the number one asset in any business is what's sitting between the ears of the owners and CEOs, <laughs> you know? And when you start doing, when you start changing the conversation and being open to, new conversations, right? And saying, hey, what is it that I am worth? And being brave to the answer, you know, because there are a lot of people who, who will automatically say, well, I could totally be replaced tomorrow because we have that idea. Like, this is a thing, like everybody's replaceable. 
you know, you go out into the marketplace and people say everybody's replaceable, which I personally think is bullshit. You know, you are, people are not replaceable because there are, I mean, you know, we're in the middle of the great resignation. There are a lot of places that I'm pretty sure are thinking they kind of probably treated people like they weren't replaceable and then they wouldn't be replacing people. (laughs) Well, also how many people do you know, especially entrepreneurs that let others do their tasks? Oh my God. We call this entrepreneur swooping, the CEO swoop. (laughs) Right here. No, I can do that. Right. And then nobody learns. Um, And nobody gets the chance to go away for a day, whether it's to a meeting or whether it's to a vacation or whether it's to a soccer game or whatever it may be on the list. If you keep stepping in and do those things, right, that says we don't think that we can have a replacement. And that's the thing I need, think we need to think about, not replacing the people, but replacing the energy that does that task, the skills that do that task, because that old saying about if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. So if you want to move on from the job that you have, meaning gain additional skills, do more of the thing that you enjoy, you need to be able to have help so that you can get all the other things done. I love that. If you, I feel like I haven't heard that in a long time. It's not the first time I've heard it, but I haven't heard it in a long time. If you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted because nobody can come up behind you, right? Mm-hmm. And do, and do your job. And I think that's super, I think that's super fascinating. And for the CEOs out there, right? Uh, who are like, well, I mean, nobody's, I'm, I'm, this is why I haven't gone and gotten an MBA yet is because is somebody going to promote me if I get another degree? No. <laughs> So I'm not going to go pay Harvard $150,000 for an MBA. <laughs> and so I, um, but then what, then, then as a CEO, when we're starting to have some success, and I do have CEOs who are trying to think about this, who had very good years, who had maybe, maybe 2021 wasn't what 2020 was, but it's 50 to 60% better than what 2019 was. Absolutely. You know, and they're like, well, what, what is my next horizon? What am I doing? Because here's the thing is we can't constantly be growing. You know, the only thing that constantly grows is cancer. And that's not the vibe we're going for. (laughs) And in order for everyone to catch up with you, right? Because that's the hardest thing for most teams with super high achieving entrepreneurs is how does everybody else come along and keep up with you to do all these great things and execute on the ideas that you have coming from everywhere. And that takes focus, that takes prioritization, that takes training, that takes discipline to stay the course. And as you start to creatively approach, how are you going to build on 2021 looking at a trend with an anomaly in it. There's going to be so many different ways you want to tackle that. So how do you do what's best for the business? How do you make sure you've got the right resources in place? And that may mean having some money conversations because you might need some great new talent in order to take on this brand new thing that you've never organized before. Or it may mean a new product that you accidentally discovered last year that all of a sudden there's a huge demand for. And not only do you have to make of it, you have to make hundred times more of it than you thought you were going to have to. That's going to take awesome people. Yeah. And I think part of the money conversation around that is very often the people you start with are not the people that you grow and scale with. 
And so we're like used to having the the money that we dedicate to the people that we start with, okay, and then we feel like the people that we are growing with, either we can't afford them, or they're not out there, or, you know, like just generating a lot of confusion and chaos around that, and I think a lot of that will, like, serves to tamp down the growth, because people are, I mean, growth to a lot of people means more work, Often it does. Yet at the same time, I worked with a business owner outside of Boston and she was super clear on why she wanted to have a bigger business. And it was because she wanted to be able to create career opportunities for her team to learn and grow and take on new positions and new responsibilities. And I never had heard it stated so clearly and articulately as a path for team development because in a small business, there aren't as many opportunities because you are doing all of the things and you're often spread so thin, you don't have the bandwidth to get really good at any of those. But growing, not just for the sake of growing, but to provide those opportunities for your team mean, yeah, you can challenge your rock stars to move them into a new position where maybe they are the people that you can scale with. Or maybe we need to have some more candid conversations about, hey, I need you to get me from here to here. And that's going to take us two years, maybe three. And then what do you want to do next? And that might not be with us. And that's totally okay. That's not the way the workforce has been set up. That doesn't mean it can't work going forward. And I think that's the beauty of so many people being entrepreneurs is I can take that path and then turn the corner and do something different. I think that makes a lot of sense because in, in the food manufacturing industry, um, you're re doing really well if somebody stays with you for five years. <laughs> You know, and, and I think that that's beautiful, especially because, you know, I mean, I've certainly worked in plenty of business where they have the guy who's been there for 30 years and we've always done it this way. And I don't see why we have to do it any other way. And they can end up being more of a hindrance than a help when we're, you know, new ownership or trying to grow and scale and that sort of thing. But if you have a money mindset where your employees become more valuable as they grow, your business becomes more valuable, you become more valuable, all of a sudden we're having a much different conversation around pricing, right? Around the markets that we serve and who's the target market for what we are doing. And you know what I love about that conversation? That means everybody's winning. Right. If I'm a more valuable employee and I contribute more to the company, which means in turn, the company is making more money because it's doing more things and I get rewarded for that, that's an incentive that tells me to do more of that. And I don't know if those incentives are always as clear as they ought to be. And then that gets back to the hard conversations to have, right? But to me, that sounds like a super fun conversation. And so maybe when we're talking about the money conversations, that might be hard right? We could start with something that maybe is a little less hard. Like, how do I want to incentivize my people? You know, because most of the people that I work with and most of the people who listen to the podcast, they want to do right by their people. They love their employees and they know that, you know, often, oftentimes they have families working for them, if not their own family, right? And, and so they're yep. like invested in their employees and invested in how their business makes the community grow, right? And so maybe, those money mindset conversations and those growth conversations can start with maybe some of the more fun stuff, which is 
you know, how can this be amazing? What if, you know, what does it look like in five years? And how am I, you know, how am I going to be able to reward people for going on this journey with me, including myself? How am I going to reward myself for going on this journey? Um, and that seems like a fun way to start the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And I wish more businesses had those conversations, right? I think it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It might go sideways in a hurry because we're just not sure what to expect out the other side. And what if they ask for more than I can do? Well, let's figure a plan to get there. Right. right? If we know where we're headed, that's a whole lot easier to get direction on. <laughs> right. Oh my God. That is so perfect. Okay. So now Erin, tell me if people do want to go and have these conversations with you, tell us where we can find you. Well, you can find me at erinpiro.com and I have the worksheet we mentioned in the first podcast in the series and Michelle's going to put it in the notes here. Already linked in the show notes. Already linked in the show notes. Look at her ahead of us all as usual. And you can download that. I can challenge you. Take it yourself first. And then if you're feeling really brave, pass it out to your team. See what they think. Right? Have a conversation around that. What'd you put for question number one? right? Compare notes because the more we do these things, the less uncomfortable they become. Right. I love, I love, love, love that challenge, right? And if you're a business of one, ask your significant other, (laughs) ask because there are very few businesses that are really truly businesses of one. (laughs) There's usually a spouse or a partner (laughs) or somebody in there. (laughs) Somebody else who has veto power. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's hilarious. All right. That's amazing. I absolutely love that challenge. So the link to go get that is um, in the show notes, um, both last week and this week. And so I want you guys to go download that at the end of the year is a really, really good time to be able to do, to like do this sort of mindset work because then you can start the new year in this frame of mind where like, yep, we had, this is what we did in 2021. And this is how we are gonna move our minds and manage our minds and grow our assets in 2022. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Sounds like a good plan. Now let's go do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Erin. You are amazing as always. And we will talk to you the next time you are here. Um, Likewise. Looking forward to it. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Food Safety University podcast. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, I want you to go to dirigofoodsafety.com and go check out all the things that we have. If you haven't gotten your HACCP download, go get that or book a call with me and let's talk about getting you into Food Safety University. I'll see you on the inside.